0: is out. The Age of Independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi there, Indies and future Indies. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. And I just want to say thanks for tuning in, being a part of this conversation. The forecast is out and the age of independence is here. This podcast is all about you. You're the agency owner, and it's about how you grow and scale your agency in the modern market. So that means cracking the code to high volume new business growth, winning in the digital world, and creating that that thriving team culture where you can't wait (laughs) to show up at work every day and just being really... um, totally all in with what you're doing and enjoying every moment. So if you've been listening and this podcast is bringing you new ideas and sparking that entrepreneurial spirit, um, then I'd love it if you would click subscribe so that you can get that little notification on your phone every morning when the new content is out from the age of independence. I've um, been working with some really awesome guests uh, that I cannot wait to introduce you to over the coming weeks. So um make sure that you've subscribed. There's also a YouTube video playlist. Just DM me. I'll send you the link so that you can see the video version of this content. If you want to have a break from audio, that's always a a fun way to switch it up. And um, finally, just like I love hearing from you guys. I love getting the DMs and I I want this podcast to cover the content that you want to hear about. So let me know what's top of mind for you and we'll make sure that we work that into the episode schedule because I know that as an agency owner, you wear a lot of hats and there's a lot of things that come across your plate every day. And I want to make sure that we're talking about all of that fun stuff. So with that said, I cannot wait for this episode today because you're about to hear from someone that I think is going to be a totally new introduction for you. Um, I am so excited to invite a brand new guest to the show. And um, this is Amanda Mapp and her debut episode on the Age of Independence. Hi, Amanda. How are you today? Hi, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. I love this podcast. It's
1: my favorite thing to listen to on the Stairmaster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love the multitasking. You're always so good about knocking out two birds with one stone, Amanda. So um, the reason I'm so excited about this episode is because Amanda and I work together at Quantum and we, we work together in the education department. So today this episode is all about like hearing what the world is like for Caitlin and Amanda in the insurance education world. And we're going to be pulling the curtain back a little bit, giving you guys a little bit of the behind the scenes and things that we work on every day, the challenges that we've faced over the past couple months Um Things that we've had to learn the hard way, so you guys are going to get to to learn all that nitty gritty today. But um, before we dive into all that good stuff, I think that we should give the audience a little bit of a chance to get to know you, Amanda. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So.
1: Um, I started an insurance, like the day I graduated college, um, with my bachelor's, I went for communications and I was dead set on being a graphic designer. I was going to be an artist and, um, uh, my dad was like, Nope, you're gonna make some money. And so <laughs> he was like, um, I heard on the radio that Geico's hiring, you need to call them or, you know, go online, whatever, figure it out, but get yourself a job. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I literally don't know anything about insurance. <laughs> um, and here I am, eight years later, I'm still in the biz. Um, and I absolutely love it. Um, I've worked in just about every department you can imagine, sales, service, um, auto damage. um, And then most recently over the past few years, I've been working in training and development because that is what I am most passionate about. I went to grad school for my degree in organizational development, and it's just something that I'm really passionate
0: about. And isn't that crazy how insurance just kind of happens upon (laughs) you when you least expect it. It's so not that career that I know I wasn't thinking about it when I was in college. And I'm so grateful that it like landed in my lap. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this training and education world that we're in, because there's so many people out there that just don't know that insurance is right around the corner and what it could bring into their life. Absolutely. And even within insurance, there's so many different paths and routes that you can take.
1: And, you know, training is one of those routes. And so a lot of times people are like, Oh, you still work in insurance, you work in insurance. I'm like, I, I do work with insurance, but I actually work in training and development. And um, I'm just lucky that insurance is the vehicle that I'm that I'm driving to to get to do what I want to do.
0: Well, and you have you have found a really cool a part of the insurance world to land. So tell us a little bit about what your daily life looks like and where you're calling us from today, Amanda.
1: Oh, so this is a virtual background, as you can see with the whooshies, um, <laughs> because I actually live full time in an RV. Um, And I travel around with my fiance and our dog and our two cats. And we are currently in Florida, we're chasing the good weather. Um, We were, you know, out in Texas for a while, as you know, and I love Texas. Um, I lived there for a long time. And there's something very homey about Texas for me, but I just needed to be by a beach, because I just missed the good weather. And Um, you know, I'm thankful that the things that I get to do and the people that I get to work with, I can do from, you know, adventuring on the road and I'm still able to have a big impact. And that's part of why I love that training and development is going so digital lately because we can kind of still, um, you know, have this independence while we're, while we're, um,
0: getting our content out there. That's, that's so cool. No pun intended. The age of independence. I love it. Um, And for an East Coast girl, I just y'all. I love Texas. I I love me some Texas, but Texas beaches just are not. They're just the same. Not East Coast beaches. (laughs) So
1: I'm from East Coast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should give the guests a little bit of a chance to get to know you. So I didn't tell you this, but I prepared a couple pop quiz questions. Oh, okay. Because that's what that's what educators do, right? So, <laughs> pop quiz. Okay, so, Amanda. Yes. The Office or Parks and Rec? The Office, 100%. 100%? It's <laughs> a big thing, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Bears beat Battlestar Galactica. I am all in with The Office.
0: I, I love The office. have some D-Track quote too. I'm not... In, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the superstitious one. I'm not... A, a, a superstitious I'm not superstitious I'm just a little stitious <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about east coast beaches M- Miami Beach or Virginia Beach Ooh that's a hard one because I love
1: the Florida weather and the beautiful scenery at the beach but I'll have to go with Virginia Beach because that is my home and my family and my friends are all there so I have to go with the 757
0: in this (laughs) it's such a hard choice okay (laughs) and I think I know what you're gonna say to the next one so Texas barbecue or Chinese hot pot oh my gosh Chinese hot pot baby so good (laughs) You're welcome. So, uh, it wasn't long ago that Amanda hadn't tried Chinese hot pot and Justin and I introduced her and, uh, it was pretty life-changing, wasn't it?
1: It was really life-changing. I may or may not have ordered a hot pot set online. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm just afraid to use it and then it won't be the same. You'll have to have a, uh, like a, a get together and it's so good. Y'all it, like pull out your Yelp app right now. Don't, don't lose the podcast, like pause the podcast, pull out the Yelp app and find some really good Chinese hot pot near you <laughs> as soon as possible. It is life changing. Okay. It, it's so good. And I love it because it's, it's a really slow meal. Like you don't just go in and order something and eat and leave. It's like a really great time to like talk and hang yeah, out. and. Yeah, try yeah. Out. It, yeah. It's the experience. So Um, so awesome. So, so walk us, um, back through memory lane just a little bit, because you mentioned how you, you landed in the insurance world. You found this really great corner of the insurance world where you're really getting to do some pretty cool, big things. And, um, I want to hear a little bit more about what it was like for you from your perspective in some of those early roles. You mentioned claims, service, sales, and some of the management positions that you've been in. What was it like for you before you branched over into the instructional design aspect of insurance?
1: Gotcha. So I actually started in a leadership development program. So everything that I did was through um this program. But a big part of that program, which is actually super important, and I'm sure we'll touch on it. But a big part of that program is making sure that there's real life experiences throughout the program. So I actually had to take calls, I had to get on the phone with clients, um, I had to learn the system inside and out and uh, learn about the underwriting process and um, just different things that are encompassed in insurance. And when I was on the phones, that was Really, I, I think about it in two different ways now, because on the one end, it was one of the hardest jobs I, I've ever done, because, you know, when you're on the phones all day, I always say it like to this day, our, our frontline associates are our most valuable assets. The job that they do is not an easy one. Yeah. Um, and I did it for a long time. Um, But on the other side, it was very rewarding, because I was able to have an impact on every client that I talked to. And maybe I wasn't their favorite person that they spoke to that day. But I knew that they were more protected when they got off the line with me, or that they understood something about their policy a little bit better, or that they were set up for a claim in the best possible situation that they could have been in. Um, So it, it was, you know, when I, when I think about that very first role, the very first day that I was on the phones and like the nerves that I felt, um, you know, just talking to clients and knowing that I had this like huge responsibility, um, it, it was heavy, but it's the good kind of heavy because then it's like, oh, that can have such a reward, you know, high risk,
0: high reward. Um, I think it's so important to remember what we felt like when we were new on the phones for the first time. Because every time we hire someone new into the agency, they're going through those same emotions and they may even have some insurance experience, but it's still a new role for them. And so it, to me, it's one of the first things that we have to think about when we're working on building an education program is that human aspect of it. So what were some of the emotions that you remember running through your head at that time?
1: So I still think about my onboarding experience quite a bit because it was just it was a good portion of my um, insurance history, basically. Um, but there's one instance that kind of summarizes exactly kind of how I was feeling throughout that process. The very first call that I ever took, um, it was just a simple billing call. The The client was calling in to make a payment. I was partnered up with somebody who was listening in on my calls. Um, and I clicked the button to apply the payment. And I said, thank you for calling and have a lovely day. And the girl that I was partnered with started crying. <laughs> like, Why are you crying? She's like, you're such a good. I was so nervous. <laughs> I was really not, like, feeling that level of nerves too. And if I hadn't gone first, I probably would have been in the same situation. And yeah. um, when I think back about my trans history, I always think about that moment because I'm like, it's... um." It can be really nerve wracking and you can feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And that's why what we do in training is so important because, you know, confidence comes from competence and feeling like, you know, that you can do what it is that you're there to do.
0: It, it takes so much confidence for our frontline associates to be able to pull off what they do in their sales and service roles every day. It takes a lot of guts. It's not easy. And it takes a, a gritty gutsy person that cares about people and can um, wing it sometimes. And it, sometimes it is just not easy to wing it. And that's that's why we want to prepare them and make sure that they have the best resources and tools. So take us from there. So um, you continue to grow in the company through different roles. And so what, what other experiences did you have in your insurance background that stand out to you?
1: So I went from being, you know, even though I was in the leadership development program, I still had to apply and earn the supervisory position. Um, and I remember working really hard for that, but What was more important to me was I was assigned a team before I actually applied for supervisor. I was assigned a team of only three associates, and my job was to kind of measure their progress and coach them to improving their numbers, their referral numbers, their survey results, their call times, all of that, Um, and what I remember when I was presenting my results, there was That's not what stood out to me at the end of the day. It was the impact that I had on the associates. And, you know, some of these people were, um, you know, going through a lot in their lives. Somebody's mother had passed away. And, you know, just she was I remember her being like so thankful to have somebody there to talk to Um, and and just realizing that the work that we're doing is not just at, at the end of the day about the numbers, but it's about the impact that we're having on the people that we're working with day in and day out.
0: So you mentioned you worked in several different departments. So what were some of your favorite projects that you worked on?
1: Oh, gosh, I I would have to say when I was doing um, auto damage, I was a management development program coordinator for the auto damage department. So I wasn't actually. Estimating any pol- you know any claims, um, but I got to go out and observe people as they were doing it, and I remember just getting to learn about you know like the the hand size and how much you know a hand size crack could potentially cost, and wow. I was like, man, it is expensive. Like <laughs> this big of a crack could be like five hundred dollars depending on the type of vehicle, and I, I just it, it gave me such a better understanding of how, like what insurance is actually for and like what, what people use it for at the end of the day, like, what are they actually paying for? It's that claims experience. And so it gave me, it was, it made me a better sales salesperson. It made me a better customer service representative. It made me a better underwriter because I was really trying to make sure that people that from on were really set up for success in the event of a claim. But also it was just really fun because I got to travel all over the country and like check out, you know, um, cat claims and and see hail damage and like learn how to differentiate between real hail damage
0: and like a hammer (laughs) It
1: was really cool.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. And I think that um, that makes me think how important the claims process is to the education journey for our new team members, especially in a sales role Mm -hmm. where they're, they're working with a client on the very beginning journey with your agency, with your company. And they may not be the person that takes the claims calls or connects them to the company's claims team or ever gets to see that policy come to life for that person in a tangible real way. And so we'll talk with you guys a little bit through this episode about some of the things that we've been working on at Quantum. And that's one of the things that comes to mind for me was that we found that our program really needed to orient a new team member with the claims team and what the what what claims looks like for a client and what what a salesperson's role is in the claims experience so that they could um kind of picture that full circle of what a client goes through in their insurance life. <laughs> so yeah, I have realized mm-hmm. I-, I realized that
1: sometimes when people are starting a new training program, they they hone in on the one thing that they know that their clients or that their associates going to be doing. And that's the only thing they train on, but in insurance, especially, it's so important to have a holistic view of what a policy uh, journey looks like for a client from start to, um, to claim basically from the time they start their policy to the time they have to use it. Um, having that knowledge, especially if you're brand new coming into insurance, as many of you will be hiring new associates, that is such an important uh, process to learn about. Um, some people are gonna be fresh out of school and maybe they've never experienced this before themselves. And a big part of you know adults learning is having that experience. And so if they don't have that experience, we have to find a way to, um, develop it for them or walk them through that process, even if it's not something they've experienced in their own personal lives.
0: We want to make it as easy as possible for them to become really passionate about what they're doing. And they need to feel like there's a greater purpose in their day-to-day tasks if they're going to find a way to come to really enjoy it and see it as something that that they love doing or they're looking forward to coming to work every day so that they can help people. And I think that sharing the claim stories, the real life examples of what's happening to your clients with the sales team is one of the ways that we can do that. And so um, that's just something that we've kind of learned along the way that's helping to make the onboarding experience better and better is shortening the gap between the sales team and the claims team in the office. So uh, Amanda, I'd love to give you a little bit of a chance to just brag on yourself for a second. Could you maybe share with us some of the accomplishments you're most proud of or projects you've worked on that you're most proud of? Um, so we can hear about some of those things too.
1: Oh, a little humble brag moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, um, I would have to say definitely one of the things I'm most proud of is having gone back to school after I got my bachelor's, I took years off, you know, and so the idea of going back to school was really daunting for me. Um, but I'm very passionate, like I said, about training and development, and I wanted to be good at what I do. So I went back to school, I got my master's in organizational development, and um, leadership. And from there, I, I was able to put myself in a more competitive you know, position to get hired into some management development roles. Um, and in those roles, I was able to learn more about the company. I was able to learn more about my, my leadership style. Um, and I was able to learn about how much training can influence the role somebody takes in their career, um, the direction that they go. Um, one of the, I guess the most proud moments I had as a as a trainer would have been when I was working for uh, basically the leadership development team for the uh, um, attorneys, the claims attorneys. And, you know, talk about a group of people who don't necessarily want to be talked to. uh, (laughs) about anything is a, a group of very seasoned attorneys. Um, and <laughs> when I say a group, I mean like over 200 attorneys oh at gosh. a conference in Florida. And they had been all week, they had been talked to um, about legal Legal matters and and claims issues and uh, somebody stood at a podium and talked at them for days and days and days and I come in on Thursday and I put my little earpiece in and I'm walking the crowd and I'm <laughs> asking them questions and um I have to say I was so nervous about that event because I was like this is a huge crowd of really intimidating people to train and at the end of that training session like a ton of attorneys come up to me and they're like thank you because we needed that. Um this is the type of training we were looking for. Um wow. I feel like we got so much out of that. Um uh, we appreciate you coming. I had several of them reach out to me and ask me for help with their uh you know their associate uh, attorneys and it was just a really positive experience for me and I felt like it was just a good way to be like oh I can do it now. I finally know what I'm doing and I've gotten some really positive feedback from mm-hmm. it.
0: That is so cool. And that, that would be really daunting. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's some crowds where, you know, they they may or may not want to be at the conference or the, the event that they're at. And I think some of those are the most challenging ones. So kudos to you for rocking it. And and that's really neat. And I think it just goes to show that leadership development is such a huge need for anyone in the business world who's working with other associates, with people that report to them and just um, and even attorneys, they're growing a business, they're growing their firm. And we, we see it on the insurance side also just as a huge hot topic that I know is top of mind for all of our agency owners. And, um, one of the things that's been really fun to learn from you in our times together, working together at quantum have been your perspective on leadership development and how we can, um, be better at helping our team members learn and grow personally and professionally, because, um, we want to see them thrive.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, thank you, by the way, education and leadership, they truly go hand in hand because it's a process where you're always learning and you're always growing. Um, you know, another huge, I think, accomplishment that we did together was build a training platform from the ground up from scratch during COVID-19. <laughs> and we're all working from home and everything is being you know, filmed back when we we're still working out the Kingston Zoom and like, trying to figure out how to do everything still. And I feel like that's part of why I love training and development so much is because it's always growing and changing and there's always things that you have to work through or figure out. And the style, the way that people absorb training is always changing. And, you know, there's people getting training on TikTok now for, for different things, you know, like that's mind blowing to me. I'm still trying to figure out how to use the app.
0: It's so funny you mentioned that because I know you have a, uh, a team member spotlight interview out at quantum. We have a team member that sold $189,000 in a month and super fun team member. And they're early on in their career. And they love absorbing content on TikTok. And so when I was in the agency and I was like getting to know them and shaking their hand and like, hey, give me your feedback on Quantum University. They said, well, you need to be on TikTok. And I was like, I don't want to be on TikTok. <laughs> and he was like, no, really. And I think it's so important to, you know, look at, try to look at training from our associates perspective in their eyes and what's fun for them. So yeah. there's definitely something I learned from that. But the other piece of that feedback back was like, Hey, adults, when they show up at work and and you tell them they're going to have a training program, they, they don't want to like, feel like they're back in college again. Like they don't want to feel like, Oh, school. Right. And so I think that that's been something we've been working on this year is how do we make Quantum University a really fun experience for people that are onboarding where they feel like it, it's not wasting their time. It doesn't have any extra fluff in there, but that it's effective and that they're learning and that they're growing. So um, so it was really good feedback and um, just kind of a, a funny story. I, I haven't, I haven't um, contributed to the TikTok world at all yet, so I can't. <laughs> I I can't grab the algorithm.
1: I'm always like, I just end up (laughs) with like videos of dogs. I'm I'm like, that's okay for me.
0: (laughs) So this past year we've worked on creating from the ground up a, um, formal education program at quantum. And so that means everything from selecting and building out an LMS, a learning management system, to sketching out, outlining, creating the content, and then determining how how we'll bring it to life so that we have more than just videos for the team. And so it's really been about trying to create a well-rounded holistic program that takes a new sales employee or a new um, a new customer service specialist in an agency and helps them, helps walk them through from day one through their entire onboarding experience. And so we've had some huge wins with that. It's been um, really pivotal for Quantum and our agency's ability to onboard new team members into new roles. But we've learned so much. And there's been some stuff we've just had to learn the hard way. So that's really some of the things that we want to share with you today, agency owners, because what I'm hearing from you when you guys reach out and... And we're chatting and we're having Zoom meet and greets. You guys are telling me that there's this big gap in the training resources that you have available in your agency. And so if there's anything that Amanda and I have learned this year or have been working on that we can share with you to make that process a little bit easier in your agency, I know how important your people are to you. Your your team members, it's so hard to find and attract top talent. And then you want to have the best program for them. You want them to be able to put down roots and build that career of their dreams and stay with your agency for a really long time. But it's not easy. You're already wearing ton of hats in your agency. You're already your chief marketing officer, your CFO, your CTO. And so, um, I know what it's like to be in that environment where you know, you can't grow without bringing on that next rock star salesperson, but you're, you're trying to take someone who has that potential and just doesn't have that experience and get them from point A to point Z. And you're trying to do it in a really short period of time because you've just invested in this person's, um, their payroll, their compensation. And there's that huge initial financial investment to bringing someone new on board. And so you have this, this challenge where it's like, how do I take this new person in my agency and shorten their learning curve so that they can start um, generating revenue for the agency and being profitable in that role so that we can continue to grow as a business. And it's no easy task. When um, I think back to my agency owner days in the captive world, and I remember having an office of about eight to 10 people and, Every time I would bring a new employee on board, it felt like I was having to recreate the wheel all over again. And there's only so many times that you can show the auto home quoting platform to someone (laughs) before it starts to drive you crazy a little bit. And so I think that's when I first started thinking about this concept of using video to record some of those things that we do every day so that it didn't fall on my shoulders to have to be the person that explained everything from how to use the ricochet phone system to how to quote in the carriers. And, um, I, I think about how I felt trying to figure out like, well, what should I train them on first? And they're telling me they want to learn this product knowledge and the carriers, but I also need to teach them the sales conversation, but I also have to take this customer service phone call over here. And it's just a, it's a lot to try to figure out. And so, um, I, I've, I've been there and I know the pressure of trying to get a new employee up and running in what feels like a really short amount of time. So, um, I think it's a really big pain point for agency owners.
1: I think that the good news is, though, Caitlin, that there's a lot of steps that can be taken in small, bite-sized uh, ways um, to get to the ultimate goal of having a formalized training process or program, um, and a lot of those can happen during, you know, your first, you know, months to your first year to get prepared and set up until you're in a position where you can really invest time and energy and money into a formal training program. Uh, There's a lot of little steps that can be taken in between then, Um, you know, looking at your needs assessment and figuring out what is it that I actually need my people to know at the end of this training session and why and organizing, you. you know, how you want to um, actually deliver the training? What, what vehicle do you want to use for that? Do you want to have um, you know managers involved or trainers involved? Or do you want it to be digital? Um, what is it going to look like? What is the budget going to look like? There's a lot that can be just evaluated and looked at before you actually bite the bullet and go into actually the development
0: or implementation phase. And I think there's a huge opportunity to start working on building a training program in your agency that doesn't have to start with a huge budget. There's so much you can do through planning out and organizing information that will take your time and your effort, which is a huge investment. But isn't super duper costly? So I think there's there's certainly great ways to get started because you're already a wealth of knowledge. That information that you have in your head, all those years and years and years of experience, it's about getting that out and creating something that your team members can replicate. You already have so much knowledge and experience and content, but you can plan it and organize it and think through it without having to spend a ton of extra money as your starting step. So it. It makes me think about videos because, you know, it's free to or almost free to hop on Zoom and and record videos. And I know um, a lot of agency owners right now are using software like Loom or Zoom Video or Microsoft Streams to start creating video content for their team. So if you've already started working on that, I applaud you because I think it's a really great thing in your agency. So Amanda, I want to pick your brain on video real quick because this has been a huge resource for us at Quantum, but it also has its own pitfalls. In Quantum University, in our LMS, we have hundreds of videos that new associates can use to walk them through their onboarding journey. And that's been huge because it really takes the weight off of the trainer's shoulders to have to teach every single little nitty gritty thing. It helps, and it helps make sure we have a uniform message, but what are some of the pitfalls that we need to be aware of? I, I, there's so many people trying to use video right now because they have employees working remotely. And I see this being kind of like a double edged sword. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the, I guess you could
1: say the um, benefits of videos is that it. Videos have the ability to make something more autonomous for the learner. And that's huge for adult learners because they want to be able to go through training on their own time at their own pace using their phone or their computer, their iPad, whatever the case may be. They want to be able to do it independently. Um, And so that's a benefit of having something that's digital, like a video that you can send out. Um, There are tons of, you know benefits to having a digital platform. The downside of it is that it isn't always as collaborative as you might want your training to be, which is why when you have your folks with you or you're on the phone with them, um, it's so important to have training conversations, even when it's not necessarily the primary reason that you have gathered Um, that day, or, or you don't have a ton of time for it, it's important to still, like, ask a question about the video that they watched, or ask them what their biggest takeaway was from it. um, Because that's how you make things like that more collaborative, I would say, less than the, the uh, medium that you're using, which is a video is more important, the uh, content that's in the video, and like, how is it organized? And does it include any sort of interactive element at all, even if it's Um, you know, somebody on the video telling the associate to write something down, um, where there's not going to be, you know, a ton of follow up on it right then and there, but is there some sort of interaction in it? Um, There's like this adult learning theory concept called um, andragogy. And basically, that just is saying that there's a difference between how students like children learn and how adults learn. And the biggest one of the biggest things is being able to do it independently and having it be task oriented. So something that is relevant to what they're going to be doing on their job. And so the content of the video is what really, really matters. Um, And there's a ton of ways that you can make sure that the videos are pulling in, you know, clips from what they're actually going to be doing in their daily jobs or screenshots from the systems that they're going to be using. Um, It's all about that relevance. And then, the, the third final thing is the what's in it for me. And that has to be mentioned in the video. Um, adult learners have to be invested in whatever it is that they're learning or it's not as effective for them. So the moment we say, you know, At the end of this lesson, you're going to be able to um, put up some better numbers or you're going to be able to get your client to understand the umbrella policy and sell it to them. Uh, They need to know what they're going to be able to do at the end of this to be
0: invested in whatever that material is coming at them. Otherwise, it just feels like busy work and it's no fun. So one of the things that we do is we take the content and when we're recording it, we break it down into short segments so that the associate is working through a series of maybe 10, two or three minute long videos instead of one long 30 minute video, because you get that sense of accomplishment. Every time you get to push that next button and you finish something and you can see the, the progress on the screen. So that's something that we found has worked really well for our team. And it allows you to break it up a little bit. Um, I think that, I think videos get a bad rap because, um, we know that videos aren't the be-all end-all. We know that we can't just take a new sales sales professional and sit them down in a corner with a laptop and a video for several weeks and have it have it work. They won't walk out of that experience super pumped about your agency, understanding the mission and the values of your company, or having been able to like, practice new skills and uh, learn in a group setting. So, so videos can only take us so far, but I found that they can be such a great tool for making sure that there's a uniform message amongst your team, because you you may want to get to the point where you as the agency owner aren't the person who's responsible for all of the training and education that goes on in your agency. You're probably going to be leveraging some of your sales leaders, some of your supervisors, um, your office manager, people who work alongside you that are going to be closely helping these new sales associates learn their new role. And there's probably some things that are really important to you that you want every single new insurance professional in your agency to embrace. And if you're able to incorporate that into the video content, it makes it easier for the other people in your office to carry that torch forward because it's It means that while they're facilitating this experience, they're not having to recreate the wheel and they know what the primary main messages are that you wanted to get through. So maybe one of those things for you is like, what role does price play in the insurance conversation? Maybe it's really important to you that your new sales professionals know how to um, walk a client through how to best protect their family from life's risks and you believe that role play that price plays a role in that, but that it's not the be all end all and that we're not just here to shop rate. If that's something that's really, really important to you, then um, having it in the videos so that the other sales leaders and trainers in your agency are embracing that and also carrying that message forward really helps. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't replace how powerful it is for you to show up in the agency and do a team meeting or a huddle or a, a, A a workshop hands-on with people and and say those things out loud in person. But I think it does really help um, the team hear those things more than just once. And it starts to become ingrained in the team culture. Yeah, absolutely.
1: One of the common pitfalls in training and development is that things become flavor of the month or one and done. You see it, you hear it. You're done with it after that. And it's never heard of again. Um, and I think we, it's really important to make sure that it's a message that is really important to your organization. Um, it's part of your vision. It's part of your mission. Everything that you should you know, include in your training and development is going to be helping you move towards your organizational goals. And your team has to see where they fit into those goals in order to really buy into that training and execute the things that you want them to execute. Um, And a big part of reinforcing that is regularly talking about the items that they've heard in a video or that they learned while reading a, you know, a a paragraph on a screen. It's all about talking about it and reinforcing it whenever you see it done right. Positive
0: reinforcement over over and over and over and over and over again. That's huge. And I was just speaking with an agency owner last week who has an amazing agency. Like they've got the culture down, they've got the purpose down, they have the mission, they have the values. They're so involved in their local community. And they shared with me that one of the things that they struggle with is it's like someone new will come on board and 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 they don't always last. And so I just encourage that person that like, Hey, that that's a common problem. That doesn't mean that, you know, don't feel down on yourself. Like that's a huge, big thing in the insurance world when, but Amanda, what are some of the reasons that new insurance sales professionals dip their toes in the water? And then they end up deciding like, Hey, this isn't for me because I think we, we need to be able to crack the code to that problem if if we want to be able to grow our agencies, because it's so costly to bring a new person on board, we really need to have a high success rate.
1: Oh yeah. Um, there's a, uh, you know, obviously there's a couple of reasons that people turn over, especially in those early days. One insurance is not an easy topic to learn or to feel like you're an expert in and people are not comfortable doing things. They don't feel like they're good at. Um, and a big part of feeling like you're good at something is that positive reinforcement. So being told, you know, like, Hey, it's okay that you don't have all the answers up front, um, because we're going to learn about that. And it's something you're going to learn over time. You know, I was still, I was a supervisor at one point and I'm still like learning new things about the products that, you know, my company offered. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like if I had known all this on day one, but insurance is so comprehensive and such a huge topic that it's really hard to know everything all at once, right? Um, but almost, you know, a good majority of employees will stay at least three years um, if they have a positive onboarding experience. And that's at least three years. They'll stay longer than that um, with culture and like positive reinforcement and like a good work environment, um, and being, you know, compensated fairly, all of those things make somebody stay longer, but their onboarding experience has an impact for the first three years of their career. Um, and, That was that's from the Society of Human Resources. It's that said that um, it's one of the number one reasons people leave is the onboarding experience that they have. And so your training and your onboarding in those first few weeks and those first few months have such a huge impact on employee retention. Um, and your training, it doesn't mean you have to have a, you know, a formal training process in place from day one. It just means you have to be, um, fostering a culture of training and development from day one and fostering a culture of learning and acceptance and growth, um, where questions are allowed and people can openly speak about, you know, not understanding something fully without getting penalized. And there's uh, this air of acceptance, um, and it just allows people to feel like it's okay if I don't know everything up front, but it also makes them want to work harder to know it. Um, and people feel more invested in that. And they're like, oh, I'm gonna really commit and I'm gonna become the best you know, person I can possibly be to get a referral or to get a policy um, on the books. Like I wanna be the go-to person for this. And that environment makes people feel more motivated. It's intrinsic motivation.
0: Man, so it sounds like the onboarding experience is so crucial. We we can't get it wrong. So what are some of the things that agency owners just cannot get wrong? um, I would say the
1: the biggest thing is, you know, forgetting about training after it's happened, like not going through it at all. Um, Number two, rushing people through their training process. Um, saying things like, you know, what, just get the, for example, get these videos done. And we're going to come back, you know, we'll, I'll show you how to do it on the actual computer later. (laughs) Um, Training has to be part of that part of that process. And it has to show that you are, um, you know, committed to the, to them being allowed to learn something um, and have practice time so that they can make errors. Um, There has to be some role plays involved, because when people feel like this is a safe space for me to mess up, and it's not on the line with a real client, then they improve their performance. Um, and there has to be expectation set for them. Like what is my job role? What is it that I'm expected to do day in and day out? What are my results supposed to be? Having those expectations really help to make somebody feel like they're they, are set up for success or they at least know the things that they're going to need to set them up for success. We have to put the tools and resources in place to get them there, but it doesn't mean that, you know, right off the bat on day one, they have to have a formal training process. It's just that we have to have some of those basic things in place for them. Um, But most importantly, we have to be available to them and there with, you know, answering their questions or having them have a go-to partner that they can talk to, really just letting them know that we're there for them. And they're not thrown out to the wolves to learn this on their own and then come back in and we expect them to sell, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month.
0: You know, when you said thrown to the wolves, so that's the phrase that's top of mind for me, because every job I've ever had, I felt like part of the training process was intentionally just like throwing the employees to the wolves. And they're like, sink or swim. If you have the guts, you'll figure it out. And there's definitely so much to be said for like, just ripping the band aid, getting on the phones. Um, but confidence is such a big part of what we do in insurance sales and insurance, um, advising with clients that we have to like figure out where that's going to come in. So, all right. So I have a tough question for you, Amanda, when should, like, how soon is too soon to get the, the employee on the phone? I think this is like the big question for agency owners are like, some are like, oh, I throw them on the phones day one. And then you have companies where there might be like a six week training program before the associates get on the phone. And I think a lot of agency owners think, wow, there's no way I could pay someone's payroll for six weeks before they pick up a phone in my agency. So yeah. when should they pick so- up that phone and start talking to clients? So
1: you remember skills have to be built upon. And one of the, A a basic skill that we forget that people don't always know when they come in fresh to a new organization is how to use the phone systems and getting people on the phones and practicing that, even if they're just calling each other um, and practicing how they would use their phone system, uh, maybe role playing the opening of a call or how they how it would sound when they transferred it is so important on getting on the phones quick to me is very effective. Um, because it's experiential, it's not throwing them to the wolves, we've given them scripts that they need, or we've, we've given them the basics, the the basics of how they would do this, Um, the technical skills that they would need to be able to do it, we've shown them how to do it, we're in a safe space where they can practice first. Um, But at the end of the day, experiential learning is how adults learn, right, it has to be task oriented, they have to do something. It's haptics, right, they have to put their hands on it, their fingers on it, they have to touch it, see it and smell it and like figure (laughs) out how to make this work for me. And they can't do that if we don't put them on the phones. What happens is actually when we try not to build on skills and instead we say, you're going on the phones now and you have to do this all at once, like sell a whole policy or like service a whole policy all at once, your very first time on the phones. And then we run into issues like people not getting verified or people not answering the phone correctly or people hanging up on somebody while trying to put them on hold um, because they haven't had this time to build on each of the skills that they're going to need to effectively handle their clients.
0: And it takes time to build on those skills. So the way someone sounds on the phones day one is going to sound completely different from week three and week six. So I can't stress how helpful it's been for us to have tools that we can use in the agency to listen to those conversations back on recorded phone calls. So we we have the recorded calls where we can listen with our new sales professional or our new customer service specialist and hear the conversation together and discuss it and talk about what worked and what was going on, what they would do differently next time. And we, we have a system Um, called voice ops that uses machine learning to provide a transcript for the call where we can click to certain behaviors. Maybe I'm just focusing on the close of the sale with this new person. So maybe they're in like week four and we're working on um, that assumptive close. I can skip forward to where they gave the prices in the conversation and we can look at it and hear it together. And so I think that that combination of being able to see it and hear it with the person who's working through the program with you is one of the things we get a lot of really when someone says like, Hey, here's where the light bulb went off for me. A lot of times it's when their sales leader sat down with them to review calls. And so I just can't stress how helpful that's been for us. It's like learning how to drive. Um, you know,
1: you don't start on the highway (laughs) You go to a school parking lot and you drive around cones and you have somebody sitting next to you telling you slow down or um, that's the wrong pedal, Amanda, you're (laughs) you're going to need to use the other one to break. Um, You know, you have somebody there giving you regular feedback and that is how we learn best. And so training is the same way. Like I couldn't tell you anything from my driver's ed course, but I can tell you, I remember sitting down with my mom in the school parking lot and learning how to accelerate to 25 miles per hour without feeling like I was going to crash into something and die. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, then you build on those skills from there. And it doesn't mean you're never going to have to go back to the basics. You know, when I went to Italy, for example, I had to you know, suddenly be in a stick shift car. And I was like, Oh man, this is a whole new skill. Um, also there's like no such thing as a, like stoplights. Um, and so it was just a whole new way of, Learning, And I just think about that when in the insurance industry, there's always going to be different experiences that come on your line, or situations that come on your line that you've not dealt with before. And so you go back to that first level of learning where you're like, okay, now this is a skill, I have to put all my attention and focus into it, I can't text and drive on this one, I have to like, (laughs) just focus on this one thing that I'm dealing with. Um, And then you'll get better with that the more that you do it and the more feedback that you have. Um, it's all the same, the same process. Every time you learn a new skill in insurance, it's like driving a car.
0: So I, I feel like there's so many things for a new team member to learn it's like, where do you even start? Right. It's like this person, even if they're not brand new to insurance, they have all these new carriers that they have to learn They have all new phone systems they have to learn. So you have the technology aspect of it. You have the carrier and the product knowledge aspect of it. You have the quality assurance pieces of like making sure they knew to ask, do you have any tenants on the property? And then at that point, you haven't even touched the sales conversation. And so um, I... I just, I, I know what it's like to be there where it's like, I need this person to be a rock star salesperson, but there's so much to learn. I don't even know where to begin and how to like layer it and create this like guided experience. So um, what, what one of the things that I think puts a little speed bump in that is that what I found with new associates is that if you ask the new person what they want to learn, what are they going to say 100% of the time? They're going to say, I need to learn the carriers and the quoting systems, right? Like that's what their thing is like, how do I use the rater? How do I know the carriers? How do I use the quoting system? So Amanda, how do we balance that with the team members telling us they need with what we know they need, which is like, how do you talk to clients about insurance and create this sales conversation? How do we empower the client to make a buying decision today? So how do we bridge the gap between what's top of mind for the new team member and where we want them to grow to
1: Um, work it into how they're going to be expected to handle the calls. So what I mean by that is they can't be two separate things. Talking to the client can't be one thing and executing on the technical side of it can't be a separate thing. We have to incorporate those two um, with the priority always being the client, right? Everything should be client facing. So instead of saying, you know, learn this first and then we'll teach you how to, you know, operate the system, we have to say, I'm going to teach you how to effectively place your client on a hold or effectively set the expectation with your client that you're going to be working. Now let's learn what you're going to do during that break. Um, Here's the technical skills that you need to be able to go through the radar, or um, here's all of the things that you need to collect on an insurance application. Let me show you how you can have this conversation with your client. Key along with me as we go through this, um, with the emphasis being on the conversation that you're having with your client. Um, because what's more important than anything is is that you'll always figure out how to do something. There will always be somebody there that can help you figure out what do I need to do to actually make this happen. Um, but you, you can't take back the conversation portion with your client. So that is a skill that if you learn it the wrong way, it's really hard to break out of that. So it has to be learned at the beginning along with everything else, or it can fall to the wayside and people will just focus on the technical side. And that's how we end up with really transactional sounding phone calls. And we want the experience to be something for the client that they can't get online. Um, and that's where the conversation components come in. So I say, just build it into the, the training. Um, you know, here's how you're going to use the Raider, for example. Uh, let's talk through how that's going to sound on the phone.
0: The Raider one's a big one. And, um, gosh, I wish we had time today to unravel how you train a new sales professional on that Raider conversation, because that's such a, a key part to unlocking that sales conversation with the client. So we didn't even get to everything on my list today yet, Amanda. So uh, Indies, like, send me a DM. Let me know what topics about training and education in your insurance agency you want to hear about next. We haven't talked about Raider training. We haven't talked about tracking and measuring and having benchmarks, how to gamify it for your team. So like, let me know what you want to hear about. And maybe we'll be able to talk Amanda into joining us again in the future um, to dive more into all that fun stuff. Um, man, we love what we do. This is So so fun. And and we love talking to you guys about these things. So Amanda, um, where can where can people like find you on social media? Are you a TikToker, Instagrammer, Clubhouse, or texter, LinkedIn? Um Um, I am on Clubhouse at Amanda Map. It's super easy. It's just my first
1: and last name. Same for LinkedIn. Um and that's that's gonna be the best place to find me. Um I'm I don't really do Facebook a whole lot, so I am new on TikTok, but it's just videos of my dog.
0: (laughs) You have such a cute dog. So Um, thanks for joining us on the Age of Independence today, Amanda. This is such a a crucial thing for agents. Their team members are everything to them. And it's a really big pain point just trying to figure out how we create this amazing career experience for someone knowing how much insurance has changed our lives and so thanks for joining us just to help us um, spark some new ideas and explore some of these concepts about how we can use this as a year to um, just make that onboarding experience better and better and better so agents thank you for tuning in if you haven't had a chance to click subscribe yet make sure that you um click so that you can get those little notifications each week as we have new content coming up. And um, thanks for listening to the show and being a big part of this conversation. We are super excited to get to know you and hear about the things going on in your agency. So agents, this is Caitlin Agar and Amanda Mapp signing off until next time. Bye. Bye.